0: Hi, I'm Kobe Greer. Welcome to the Resilience Podcast. Today I'll be speaking with David Kernahan, CEO of Youth Legal Services on the resilience of snowflakes. Intriguing. David has held senior executive roles in the not-for-profit sector in Western Australia for over 20 years and has worked in a number of areas including homelessness, mental health, alcohol and drugs and the community legal sector. David has also worked in mental health nursing, as well as being a Minister of Religion. David's qualifications are as extensive as his working career, having qualifications in law, having a Bachelor in Social Sciences, and a mental health nursing degree. In his spare time, David reads a wide range of eclectic books, writes poetry for his blog, and loves to swim. What brings David here today is his strong interest in men's mental health, well-being and the hard work of self-discovery, so we can live constructively in our relationships and as role models for younger men. So welcome, David. Thank you. So to start, David, why have you titled this Podcast: The Resilience of Snowflakes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when I thought about it, there's been um, commentary over the last few weeks, months, in fact, about the snowflake generation. Even yesterday's West Australian, they had an article about snowply parents and snowflake children. <laughs> so I thought that was timely. But when you think about snowflakes coming through the atmosphere and how they hold their shape and their uniqueness and their beauty, I think there is a certain resilience to snowflakes that is often missed when we talk about snowflake generation. And when I reflect on the young people of today, they do have a resilience that I think needs to be acknowledged and to be developed further.
0: So... The Snowflake generation would be around the Gen Zs and the Millennials?
1: Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah.
0: So how do you see this resilience different from, say, previous generations?
1: When I think about the resilience, for example, of my parents' generation, so the generation that went through the war, the Depression, The resilience that they demonstrate is often what I would call a stoic resilience. So they don't talk about things, they just do. Um, The problem with that is that things that don't get discussed don't go away, they're still present. Um, For example, my father's only brother Um, died as a result of war injuries. But that was never discussed in our home growing up. Mm -hmm. And so the brother became like a non-entity within the family system. But the reality for my father was that the impact of his brother's death came out in how he viewed his own masculinity and how he viewed my masculinity as well, which had massive consequences for our relationship. So it's, I suppose, like what Jung says, things that don't get discussed, they go into the shadow. So they still exist, they're still present, and they still exert um, a strong influence on people. The millennials and the Zs today, I think, have less of a stoic resilience and much more what I would term an openness to things. Um, And I see this, for example, this openness, for example, in the area of mental health. There is much more openness about issues of depression and anxiety and the mental health issues that millennials and Gen Zs experience. Now, that's not to say that the discrimination around mental health is all resolved, there is still a lot of discrimination and still a lot of work that needs to be done. But certainly when I compare um, the openness around mental health today to when I did my nursing in the 80s, you know, it is a completely different sort of environment and completely different... um, openness. And this openness allows for a flexibility. It allows for um, discussion of ideas. And so one of the things that I would see is that it's a an open resilience as against the perhaps the more stoic resilience of my father's generation and even of my generation. Um, and I think another difference in terms of the resilience between the generations is that the the millennials and the Gen Zs, their resilience has to be almost a lot more rapid. Um, you know, my father's generation, my generation, there were certain markers, high school, university, employment, relationships, marriage... You know, these were the things that gave, I suppose, congruence to our lives. Whereas for millennials and Gen Zs, the rate of, the, of technology, the impact of technology on their lives um, is much more rapid. Mm-hmm. And so there needs to be a greater flexibility. And I suppose that's, for me, that is the definition of resilience, that ability to be flexible to bend and to come back to a sense of ourselves. It may be a different sense of ourselves, but it's still that ability to come back to a sense of ourselves and then to re-engage with life. Um, Just talking about, you know, technology... um, Youth legal, we're currently running a campaign on cyberbullying, and this is one of the areas where we see the the impact of technology on in the lives of millennials and Gen Zs. So you know technology, particularly with covid nineteen, is is brilliant because it does allow us to remain connected, it does allow us to um, stay in touch with each other. But cyberbullying is the negative effect of this technology because it allows people to hide behind technology, to be vindictive towards others. It, the rate of spread um, of cyberbullying on technology is very rapid. And so when we're talking about resilience, you know, young people, when they're dealing, when they go online, and they suddenly experience cyberbullying. Often they're struggling to build resilience because what they're experiencing is something that they haven't experienced before. And so you've got the the mismatch between um, what the young person is experiencing and the resilience that they need to be able to manage what their resilience. And this, if there is that mismatch, then it can lead to Um, Increased anxiety, increased depression, because the person, the young person, feels overwhelmed um, and feels unsafe. Now, this doesn't mean that they don't have resilience. It just means that what they're experiencing is um, flooding, I suppose, their natural resilience that they have. And so they need to be able to get back into that touch with the resilience. That they have within themselves
0: and that would be incredibly challenging you know I can imagine parents uh, knowing that their child is in their bedroom thinking they're home they're safe however there's this other world of um, technology cyber bullying that might be attacking their child whilst in the safety of their home like it just it just is a completely different level. Yes,
1: that's right. And, you know, for example, you know, when, when I was at high school, I was bullied. I was, you know, <laughs> the pommy kid that was useless at sport, couldn't kick a football and was scared of cricket balls and <laughs> spoke with a funny accent. So, but that bullying occurred in a location... I was able to come home, come away from it. Mm. For young people today, with um, technology, they can't remove themselves. And so that that changes the whole landscape, it changes the whole um, experience of bullying and makes it much more um, dangerous, much more potentially serious um, for the young person.
0: Absolutely, mm. absolutely. So you spoke about, a young person building resilience, which deal when dealing with cyberbullying. Is resilience something that everyone can build? Or do you feel that it for some people it's an innate quality?
1: I think resilience is something that we have. It's something that's innate, but it's also a skill that we can learn. So I don't think it's correct to say that only some people have resilience. I think everyone has, but it's a mix of our innate qualities, our family experience, and the broader social experience in terms of you know our school environment or our work environment. Or so it's an intermix um, of all these factors together that give us a sense of resilience, that sense of flexibility in terms of how we manage situations. As I say, like any skill, um, resilience can be learnt. And so this is important because even if a young person feels that they don't have much resilience, it's important for them to know that resilience can be learnt. And one of the ways that we learn resilience is by actually going through difficult experiences. Because it's in going through difficult experiences and navigating them that we build the confidence in ourselves that we can navigate those experiences. Now, having said that, it's important to emphasize that those experiences have to be age appropriate. Um, because as, as I said earlier, for you know, an example of cyberbullying, if the experience the young person is going through is not age appropriate or is greater than where they're at in the terms of their chronological age then the risk is that they do become flooded with anxiety depression, mental health issues simply because it, the, the experience they're going through is greater than the level of resilience that they have built up. So it's important for us, I suppose, as parents and as friends, when we go through difficult experiences and we're floundering and feeling that we don't, we can't manage. It's important to have our parents, to have our friends, remind us of the difficult experiences that we have navigated in the past, because as being reminded that actually enables us to take a deep breath and. Um, put our feet on the ground, and take the next step. And this is where, you know, for adults, when we go through difficult experiences, this is where, you know, a good counsellor or a good friend is so important for us because they act as that reminder for us of what we have been through. And so it's important, if we as adults have that in terms of counsellors and friends, it's important for us to do that for young people to remind them when they're going through difficult experiences of what they have been able to achieve previously, of what they've navigated previously, and to remind them of their resilience so that they, as I say, they can take a deep breath. The flight-fight um, reaction can can settle and the person can get an understanding of what needs to be done
0: next. Yeah, so what I'm hearing... You say, David, is the importance of younger people to uh, be mentored or have role models, um, whether that be a parent, whether that be a friend, whether that be yes. a teacher, yeah. but helping them navigate and yes. be reminded of you know, the, how resilient they are That's and right. by reflecting back on previous situations. That's right.
1: It, the role of mentoring um, is is so important. Um, and I suppose, um, you know, this is... Particularly when we're dealing with, with um, young men and sons, I think this is where it's so important for them to see resilience, um, healthy resilience, modelled... Um, by their fathers or other primary male models in their lives. Because many young men don't see healthy resilience being modeled for them. Um, and of course, one of the one of the important things for young men is And in terms of building resilience, is to actually learn emotional resilience or emotional intelligence, if I can put it that way. Um, And emotional intelligence is really about the ability to understand the emotions that you're going through and to name them and to be able to know that, like all emotions, they come and go, they won't last. And a lot of young men don't have good emotional intelligence. (laughs) As a man, I can say that, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But I think it's, um, you know, it is something that uh, as, as an older generation of men that we need to... Be teaching our younger men about how to be emotionally intelligent and how to be emotionally resilient.
0: But I agree I, I actually saw on um, in my preparation for today on Psych Central that emotional intelligence is now more important than one's IQ, in attaining success in lives and careers. So and, you know, having that ability to read people's signals and reacting appropriately. But that, yes. that is... It's, it's a life skill.
1: It is. It is a life skill. And I don't think, you know, certainly, you know, my father's generation and for my generation to a certain extent, emotional intelligence was not considered a priority. It was, you know we have to be able to manage our emotions. But the problem with managing emotions is that it restricts the emotional range um, of emotions that you can feel. And, you know, we still see examples today when young people, young men particularly, their emotional range is limited to what I call two polarities, anger or fear. And both of those emotions for a young man are often symbiotic. So the young man is afraid but is afraid of being afraid and so reacts in anger because the anger helps him feel that he is not afraid. But then often the anger is so strong that it creates its own fear. So we get this spiralling... Um, response between anger and fear that locks young men into, you know, often destructive patterns in terms of risk taking, risk taking either to themselves or risk taking to other people, um, because they haven't learnt a range of emotional expression apart from anger and fear.
0: And I can imagine that. Even addiction would lead from that because it would be so difficult to manage those emotions, and strong emotions, and the energy that fear and anger bring. Yes, being um, in the body. Yes, being in that young person's body.
1: Yeah,
0: to help medic- Well, to help manage. Yes. is through self-medication. Of, some form of addiction as well.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, so. yeah, and I mean, you know, often you know, an example that I am um, sort of am familiar with is, you know, young men go into social situation, they are nervous, they don't feel that they are socially competent to to relate to people, you know, particularly if there's someone that they're looking to sort of engage with and so alcohol helps get them over that initial um fear and so you get the linkage between fear fear alcohol and feeling good and then it becomes very difficult to actually manage that down the track because how can you say to a young person well what is actually making you feel good long term is actually destructive um, so, yes, it does, it does raise challenges.
0: Absolutely. And hence also the risk-taking behaviours, as you said earlier. That's right. So, David, what, what, do you, what do you see as the link between, and you've touched on this already, but uh, the link between emotional intelligence yeah. and resilience for a young person or for anyone, really?
1: So emotional intelligence is the ability to name the emotion that you're experiencing and to understand it and to self, what's called self-soothe. So Connor Davidson in the Resilience Scale, they use the term self-soothe. So it's emotional intelligence is the ability to self-soothe. Now if we go back to my earlier definition of um, emotional of resilience as being um, flexible, the ability to be flexible in situations. Often what happens is that when we're in a difficult situation the flight, fight and freeze response takes over. So we either s- start to prepare to fight a threat, or we freeze and shut down, or we escape. Now, those reactions are helpful in terms of managing physical safety, but they're not helpful in terms of managing, you know, other types of threats, such as um, a feeling of psychological threat or, or things like that. To be able to handle other threats, we need to have that flexibility. So to have flexibility, you have to have emotional intelligence. If you don't have emotional intelligence, you're locked into your flight, fight or freeze reaction. And this is where it becomes so important, um, you know, as fathers, as parents, as, as grandparents, as mentors, that we model emotional resilience and flexibility to our children and to the young people so that they see what it what it means to be a healthy responsive adult who can still experience difficulties who can still experience threats but isn't overwhelmed by them and has the flexibility to be able to adapt constructively to them
0: and this is the self-soothing the self-soothing yes mm. yeah mm. So, David, what else can you do to encourage and build resiliency in young people?
1: Well, there's a longitudinal study of children that's been done in Australia. And in their 2018 report, they said that 16 to 17-year-old young people are most resilient where they have consistently close relationships with one or both parents. They have at least one close friend, and the friends that friend is someone that they can trust and communicate with. So, in terms of you know our role building resilience, I think it it is essential for parents to understand the importance of their relationship with their children. You know, often as our children, I had four children, so I understand parenting. <laughs> we had four and five years which made it very interesting. Um, But, you know, you get to a certain point, particularly when your adolescence gets to 16, 17, and you start to think, OK, I'm just the glorified taxi service here, you know. I drop them off to sport, I wait, I take them home. I drop them to work if they've got a part-time job or I drop them to school. And... I think most parents go through that period where you start to feel that yeah you're just the taxi service. You you don't really, apart from providing the motor vehicle, food, um, particularly if you've got sons that are growing, um, lots of food and a house, (laughs) that's all that the kids need. But in actual fact, your children do need much more. They need to know that you have their back. And for, you know, in aged care, there's the fray, we talk about the dignity of risk. And the dignity of risk also applies to adolescents. We need to allow our adolescents to take risks at the level that they are able to take so that they can achieve that resilience and that confidence in themselves that they can manage risk. Um, and so it's important for us as parents when, you know, we're going through the teenage years and it just feels like everything's chaotic, that we take stock, we remember the importance of the relationship. And I suppose we choose what battles we're going to fight with our kids. Some battles need to be fought. I don't, I don't dispute that. But we need to choose so that we maintain the importance of that relationship with them. Um, so in terms of building resilience, I suppose, you know, I would stress again the importance of your relationship as a parent, as a grandparent, as a primary carer, the importance of that relationship with your children. In terms of, you know, young people themselves, again, this comes back to technology. You know, we often think that having multiple friends on Instagram or, you know, um, facebook that that means that we've got lots of friends mm. but the reality is that often those fr- those are not the friends that you can share what you're actually going through and so it's important for young people in terms of their resilience to have one or two close friends that they can actually speak to face to face that they can Know that their friends will have their back and give them the confidence that um, they are supported. So, you know, your friendships are important, relationships with parents are also important. But I suppose, you know, in summary, I would say I do believe that, you know, the millennials, the Gen Zs, the younger generation of today are resilient. It's a different resilience. Um, But just as snowflakes are unique and beautiful, so our young people's lives are unique and beautiful, and I think we need to do everything we can, particularly during COVID-19, to ensure that we are building their resilience and their capability to manage the challenges of life so that once COVID-19 is over and we're into the, um, the new world, whatever that is, that um, the young people are able to demonstrate their resilience, thank you.
0: Thank you, David, it's been a pleasure having you today.